1: was healed of the thorn in the flesh when he asked the Lord three times to heal him. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. Sometimes it seems that the greatest work comes from an area in our lives where we struggle the most. I think it's because that the very struggle we go through helps gives us compassion for those who are struggling with the same thing. We may not feel relief but we can comfort others because we've been through it or we're going through it the same time.
0: Everybody has struggles. This doesn't mean God can't work in and through them in profound ways. In fact, as Pastor Dave will explain in today's message, it's often those who struggle the greatest that have the greatest humility and are most aware of just how desperately they need the Holy Spirit to work in them. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 28 as he continues his message, Minister, Missionary, Saint.
1: The Jews at this time believed that a person could sin in the womb. So that's why they were asking, did he commit a sin in the womb for which God is now punishing him for why he's blind? Why is it when things go wrong that people are always looking to blame God? God's responsible for this. Why do we look at this punishment as punishment from God? We think so often that God is judging in punishment. Jesus answers and clears the entire slate. Jesus makes it quite clear that God is not punishing it. He says this at the end of the verse, neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. God is always working out his eternal purpose in our lives. And sometimes these trials and these tragedies and these temptations and things we go through are working out an eternal purpose in our lives. Even when we get discouraged by Satan, God is still in control. God is still in control. When you're in the will of God and you're doing that which he has called you to do, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what's coming at you. The Apostle John writes in his epistle in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he is in you than he is in the world. In other words, the Christ that is in you is greater than any Satan in the world. The natives watch looking for signs of the snake venom, but nothing happens. God miraculously healed, keeps Paul from being struck dead. And then all of a sudden, they make another accusation. They say, in verse 5 and 6, but he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they, the natives, were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they looked for a long time, they saw no no harm had come to him. They changed their minds and said he was a god. There's a couple things I have to mention here before we go on. Number one, Paul just shook it off. Paul was a man's man. I wonder if he rubbed dirt in it. Paul just shook it off. Ah, snake, didn't even bother him. I like that about Paul. get out, get out, stupid snake. These guys were really dumbfounded. They said, what's going on, Paul? And also, I love the fact that all of a sudden, look, the snake bit him. He's a murderer. Look, he didn't die. He's a God. This is what happens when we put our faith in man. One minute, they're raising you up, calling you a God. The next minute, they're calling you a murderer. Or they're calling you a murderer, and they're raising you up to be a God. Man judges by the appearances. Man judges by what's going on. Not the way God judges have to be careful of this. But all through this, Paul keeps his wit, and he keeps his witness. See, Paul was not only the consummate minister, he was the consummate missionary as well. And a missionary is basically someone who's sent out from a church or a religious organization to do evangelism, ministries, uh, education, literacy, those kind of things. And it came from the 1500s, When the Jesuits sent people abroad, and it's derived from the Latin word missionum. It means the act of sending. The Latin translation of the Bible, Jesus uses this word when he sends out the disciples to go preach in his name. So this is where we get the word missionary. And knowing that he was being watched, Paul used the opportunity to magnify Christ. And we believe that that's just what he did. Paul was indeed sent out. Paul was indeed set out. We know that the church in Antioch, when we studied chapter 13, they sent out Paul and Barnabas to do missionary work. But way before that, on the Damascus Road, Jesus sent Paul to the Gentiles, remember? In Acts twenty six eighteen to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they would receive the forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is the work of a missionary, share the love of Christ. We take what we know and we go someplace and we share it. Now we have missionaries that we support down in Panama, we support several. We support one over in Bahrain. We support mission and we support missionaries here in the United States too. Just because you're on a mission trip doesn't necessarily mean you have to go abroad. I believe in our own backyards, in our own homes, we're on the mission field. In our own where, we are. this is a mission field. Jimmy even prayed about the mission field that we are in. Some churches have, you're about to enter the mission field when you go out the door. They have it over their door frames. The mission field. We're all called to be missionaries, but Paul never lost sight of his purpose, and he followed the Lord's lead. He didn't care if he was shipwrecked or in the largest city possible. So we see him now in verse 7 that they all gather in the home of Publius. It says, in that region, there was an estate and a leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. Can you imagine? There's 276 guys, and they're all coming to Publius' house to stay. And we don't know what they were guilty of. A lot of them are prisoners. We don't know if they're murderers or whatever, but they're all going to stay at this house. Can you imagine? we open up the door, and there's 276 people who you don't know You've never seen before, but you know that they're prisoners from somewhere, and you're going, oh, yeah, come in. Come on, come on in. Here, come on in. This is what Publius did. He lets them into his house. And I think it's cool because he's going to be rewarded for his kindness. He's going to be rewarded for his kindness because the Lord's going to bless him and the entire village because of the kindness of their heart, as we keep in verse 8. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed and laid his hand on him and healed him. Corson says, God will be a debtor to no man. Open your house, open your heart, and the people who come in will either bring a great blessing to you, as Paul did when he healed Publius's father, or he will be used, God will use someone else to bring a blessing your way. Hospitality, showing kindness to others. And this is what the missionary does. He walks in, and he's right there, and he heals the man. He miraculously heals him from the fever and from this dysentery. And everybody else around him sees that he's healing him, and they all want to come now, and they're all being healed. It says, Paul healed the others. He says, so when he was done this, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. The Lord truly blessed the natives because of their courtesy and their kind treatment. It's interesting in this verses, though. It doesn't mention evangelism specifically. It doesn't specifically mention Paul in any, giving any evangelistic message. But we have to know that Paul's style is, he's going to speak. I'm sure when he's, when he's ministering to these people who are sick, he's giving glory to the Lord. He's telling them that they were healed because of the Lord, because of the Lord's magnitude. I mean, let's stop and think a minute. They all knew that Paul had survived the shipwreck along with everybody else. They knew that Paul had survived the viper hanging from his arm. And now this man is healing others. You don't think Paul's going to miss a beat on that one? You think Paul's going to bring up Christ? He's going to bring up evangelism? This is what the missionary does. He spreads the gospel wherever he goes in all kinds of different ways. You remember our greatest quote from Gustin? Spent 40 years preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and every once in a while I open my mouth. It's the life we live. It's the life that we carry with us. Is our life exuding Christianity? When people look into your life, they go, that person's a Christian. I can tell by the way they live their life. It's interesting here. I talked about this on Thursday with the guys over at Irma Deli when we were having breakfast. It's interesting that although everyone on the island is healed and they received healing, all never was healed of the thorn in the flesh when he asked the Lord three times to heal him, and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. Sometimes it seems that the greatest work comes from an area in our lives where we struggle the most. I think it's because that the very struggle we go through helps gives us compassion for those who are struggling with the same thing. We may not feel relief, but we can comfort others because we've been through it or we're going through it the same time. But we have to be careful. We have to be very, very careful not to receive from somebody who's ministering to us because of the struggles that they're in. Oh, I can never receive from that person. Look at their life. I can never, you know, if I need marriage counseling, I can't receive from somebody whose marriage is a a wreck. I can't receive that. That's not necessarily true. Corson says this again. It's a mistake to say I'm not going to listen to the person because of the struggles they're going through. In that particular area, he says, Beethoven wrote his greatest symphonies when he couldn't hear a note. And Paul healed multitudes himself when he himself was in need of healing. We can receive if it's the Lord. In verse 10, we see the group leaving, but they don't leave empty-handed because now it says they also honored us in many ways. When we departed, they provided such things that were necessary. Where God guides, God provides God provides for us in so many different ways. He's providing for the apostle and the group, that which is necessary. And that's what the Lord does. He gives you just what you need, just when you need it. I love that about the Lord. We studied the book of Exodus. We read in the book of Exodus that manna fell from heaven every morning and quail at night. They got just what they need. They weren't, a cloud. They weren't allowed to collect more than they needed. If they did, it went bad. Only on the Sabbath day could they collect more. God gives you just what you need, just when you need it. God gives this to you. And we have to know that God knows what we need and what we want and what we like. I got to tell you another story. We were able to fill these boxes and take them up to Summer's Point to this um, daycare facility. And these people in the daycare facility, there was about 20-some-odd of them, and they were all challenged in some way. They all had a a challenge. Some of them were challenged. Most of them were challenged in a mental capacity of some way. So we went up there, and we had these bags, these these plastic bags filled with boxes of things. And remember, we packed them here. We had boxes for men. We had boxes for women. They were wrapped. We had no idea what was inside of them. All I had on the outside was female and male. We got up there, and we were talking to them. We said, okay, it's time to give out the boxes. So we started, and we just gave out the boxes. And, and B went and gave this boxes that way, and Crystal went and gave out boxes this way, and I went and gave out boxes that way. We just randomly gave out boxes. If you were a lady, you got one that said female. If you were a guy, you got one that said male. There was this one lady, and her name was Virginia, his Virginia. And she, I have no idea how old she is, but she's suffering from Downs. And she was sitting there, and she was dressed solely in pink. And she says to us, I bet you can't tell what my favorite color is. We went, pink? Yes. How'd you guess? So she gets this box. and She opens it up. The first thing she sees is a pink Nike box. It's a Nike shoe box that's pink. And then she opened it up, and every single thing... In the box was pink. Pink toothbrush holder, pink toothbrush, pink earmuffs, pink gloves. Everything was pink. Now, don't tell me the Lord doesn't know what you like and what you need. Don't tell me that. Randomly, we picked these boxes up, and randomly, we gave it out. And the Lord knew that this little Virginia needed this encouragement. And the smile on her face was enough to do me Perfectly for a long time. It was incredible to see her and how loving. And we got to say, See how much the Lord loves you. See how much the Lord loves you. And this was what Paul was doing. Paul was doing things that exemplified the Lord. And when people would see it, he would say, This is the Lord. And this is our opportunities. When we see the Lord at work in someone's life, when we see the Lord at work in our lives, we have to tell people, This is the Lord. This is not some coincidence. This is not karma. This is the Lord at work. And the Lord's doing these things. See, Paul was the consummate minister. He was the consummate missionary because Paul was the consummate saint. Paul was the consummate saint. And the word here for saint in the Greek is hagios. Hagios. And it means sanctified, holy, or godly person. And as I was doing this study, I looked up on the internet how to become a saint. And there was the five-step method and the ten-step method and all these other methods. And they all came from a particular church group. I don't want to be mean to anybody, but the church never made anybody a saint. The Lord creates the saints, not the church. And as far as the Lord is concerned, all of you that accepted Jesus Christ in your life are saints. If this was not true, then why does Paul open his letter to the Ephesians church, the letter to the Roman church, the letter to First Corinthians, the letter to Second Corinthians, and the letter to Colossians to the saints at that city? It's God who declare who saints are. You want to be a saint? Throw out the five or ten-step method, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you will be saved. You're a saint. You don't need anybody's approval except God's. This is why Paul was a consummate saint. He knew what happened to him on the day to, on the road to Damascus, he knew exactly what happened. It changed his life forever. It wasn't just words spoken to him, he, something had happened in his heart. Paul called himself the chief of sinners, Paul called himself a wretched man. He was completely worn out. He was completely wretched because of his unsuccessful effort to please God through the law. And this is what legalism does to you. It makes us face our own wretchedness. And if we continue in legalism, we're going to react in two ways. We'll deny our wretchedness and become self-righteous or a Pharisee, or we'll run from God. Paul did neither. He allowed his wretchedness to draw him close to God, to draw him into a relationship with God. And he allowed God to forgive him through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is not theology for Paul. This was true life. This was real. Paul knew he was wretched, but he also knew that Jesus had died for his sins. And now Paul was cleansed by the blood of Christ. He was a new creation. He was born again into a living hope. Paul's life had been changed, and he would never look back. And this was the reality of Paul's life. He realized he couldn't deliver himself. Paul realized that the law would never deliver him. And he realized that he didn't deliver himself. Paul realized that it was God by his Holy Spirit that delivered Paul from bondage. And only God alone. And set him free from his spirit. And Paul knew one thing. He didn't deserve what he received. It was God's grace. And that's why they call the book of Romans the gospel of grace. It was God's grace that Paul knew this. God had allowed Paul to come to a point of total despair. When Paul stopped trying to do it himself, God was there and gave him the victory through Jesus Christ. And Paul then gives the glory to God. If you've accepted Christ's sacrifice on the cross, and if you've been been sanctified and made holy, you've been set apart by a most holy God, then you're a saint in God's eyes. Paul ministered to others because the Lord ministered to him through his grace. Paul was given charge by the Lord and placed all his effort to fulfill that charge in God's grace. I am what I am by the grace of God, Paul would say. See, all ministry flows from our relationship with the Lord. All missionary work flows from our relationship to the Lord. I can't be a consummate minister, and I can't be a consummate missionary if I'm not a consummate saint, if I'm not really Really trusting in the Lord, and it's truly my life, not just words that I say to impress somebody, but they're really, truly words. All ministry becomes a gift from God. All ministry is God's grace. I don't deserve anything from God. I don't think I deserve from Him is to be burned in hell for my sin. It's God's grace that has been extended to us. This is what Paul knew, and it was so real to his heart. It was so real to his heart that that's why he could become the the consummate missionary, the consummate minister. Oh, that we would be like the apostle Paul and realize exactly what happened to us that day when we accepted the sacrifice on that cross, exactly the change that had been made, his life for ours. If we would realize what truly happened when the Holy Spirit came and we were reborn, if we would really realize that the the effects of our sin and how harmful that sin is to God and how harmful it is to our relationship with God and how harmful it is worldwide, if we would just realize that now, because of our profession of faith, that God has not only said, okay, you're mine, but he's placed His Son within us through the Holy Spirit. God in us, the hope of glory. If we would just make that a reality of our lives, instead of something we just talk about on Sunday mornings, if that would be the reality of our lives, how many lives of others would be changed? How many lives of those who you've been praying for would be changed? What they're waiting for is for you to show that change to them. And not in a self-righteous way, not in a self-indignation way, not looking down upon them, but looking to them to help, to give them Christ. Christ doesn't condemn them. Why should we? If they don't accept Christ, they're condemned already, it says. Paul knew this. It was his life, and it was real. Oh, I wish it would be so real in my life. I wish it would be so real in my life, because then... Christianity would be something that would be contagious. It wouldn't be something that is taught. It would be something that's caught. It would be contagious, and people would go, I want that. I want what you have. How can you sit there when all this terrible stuff is happening to you? How can you sit there and be so calm? How can you sit there and be so, so, so at peace? Man, I want that. Well, let me tell you how you can get that. That's what it's about. See, Paul knew that. When Paul was knocked off his horse or animal, whatever it was he was riding that day, something happened in his life, and he realized it, and he knew it. And he knew he never wanted to go back. He never wanted to return, never wanted to go back the other way. All oh, that we would. Oh, that that would be our cry, that we would really sit before the Lord and know what happened. If these things became so true to us, then we would be ministers of God's love to others. We would serve others with gladness and joy. We would be in his ambassadors, and we would share the love of Christ. I don't care who it's with. I don't care if you're in line at Wawa. I don't care where you are. You would be sharing the love of Christ. If we would but know that that truth and the reality of what happened to us, we too could turn our world upside down. It's a passion of mine that we would know that. It's a passion of mine that I could pass that on to you and that you could see that passion and that you could want that passion and that we could grow as a group with that mindset. And that's the mind of Christ that we've been given. Paul told the Corinthian church, you have the mind of Christ. It's yours. You have that. Oh, if we could turn the world upside down, if we could be consummate ministers and consummate missionaries because of our consummate saint, that would be glorious. I read that when I read about the Apostle Paul. We have, I know that Dave's going to be here in a couple weeks and he's going to share with you some wonderful messages. And then we're going to finish up the book of Acts and feel like I'm losing an old friend. But we still have so much to glean from him. And I encourage you to reread some of these stories and reread some of these things that happened and and really let it soak into your being and really let it become you and know that God has such a plan for every one of us and God has such a plan for you individually and he has a plan for this church he has a plan and a purpose oh that would be real to us that we would know him you are sure.
0: Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A sure Hope. Pastor Dave will continue this journey through the book of Acts when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We'd encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always a time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. And we offer nursery and Sunday school where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Acts. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the word and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this New Testament book right here on Assure Hope.